You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey everyone, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our latest weekly update on social media. Thanks for joining us as always this week. A lot to talk about. One of the worst weeks in American history this week with uh, President Joe Biden's Afghanistan debacle. Obviously, we'll discuss that. A major new uh, development in our case against Lori Lightfoot's racist discrimination policy. We're in federal court against, excuse me, we're in actually uh, Texas state court, the Supreme Court, against Qatar. We have a lawsuit against the military over its surveillance and targeting of conservative troops. Uh, the, the work we're doing is just so tremendous, and I want to make sure I'm covering it all. Oh, and we're fighting uh, in federal court, the Pelosi Congress, over the January 6th videos. You won't believe what they're saying there. So first up is the Afghanistan debacle. Uh, thousands of American lives, who knows how many, uh, put at risk and maybe still at risk. Uh, thanks to Joe Biden's precipitous and unthinking surrender to the Taliban. That's right. He surrendered to the Taliban before he secured American blood and treasure. And uh, we fled our embassy. We abandoned our key air base there. And uh, the Taliban, which is a, a terrorist extremist Islamist organization entity, uh, now runs Afghanistan after 20 years of our trying to shore up and protect our national security interests there. Uh, this is the worst uh, humiliation in American history. It's the worst humiliation in American history. It's worse than nine, it's worse than Pearl Harbor. Uh, it's worse than anything else I can think of. I think you'd have to go back to the War of 1812 when our capital was burned by the Brits to find anything similar in terms of abject humiliation for our nation. And given the correlation of forces in terms of the United States versus the Taliban, it's, it's an utter humiliation. And uh, our military are right now Again, being asked to do the impossible because of the failure of their leadership. Uh, everyone says they're surprised by the collapse of the Afghanistan government. And for 20 years, we've been wasting all this money. I and mean, we've been monitoring that for decades here at Judicial Watch. This is no surprise to anyone. So I do blame Joe Biden instant, in the instant case here for his decision uh, to... Uh, flee Afghanistan without securing uh, American lives. I mean, they, they practically speaking, I, I don't even know if they would have been protected if there wasn't moral outrage here in the United States to force Biden to do something about it. And as I've, I've been highlighting on social media, I'm not on Twitter, but I'm on Facebook and Instagram, uh, this is the same gang that was involved in Benghazi. They have this corruption background. So it's no surprise uh, that this group uh, has given us uh, this surrender and defeat in Afghanistan. Because no matter how you slice it, it's a defeat. And it didn't have to be this way. It's a specific decision by the Biden administration. 
And of course, what is the left media going to do? They're immediately pivoting to help their ally in the White House and to advance, again, their ideological agenda, which is to uh, attack anyone who opposes or opposes enemies of the United States, who tries to protect the national security of the United States. So uh, now the outrage is that the media is that how dare anyone object to bringing refugees into the United States? How dare you, you know, that, that you're betraying this promise we've made to Afghanis who helped us. If we don't let them into the United States. Well, I don't remember making any promise that tens of thousands of Afghanis would come into the United States. Do you recall signing that promise? I don't. Is it, a, is it a legally enforceable promise? They may say it's a moral promise, but is that the best way to handle a refugee crisis? No, it is not. The best way to handle refugee crises are to keep refugees as close in, uh, to the territory from which they emerged as possible. It's obviously cheaper. You can help more people that way. So there's a moral urgency there and, our, and it makes more sense in terms of our own national security. Because do you trust the Biden administration to, to pretty about thoroughly vet? How about basically vet any so-called refugees coming in here to the United States? Of course not. Of course not. And, uh, you know, Joe Biden deserves a lot of blame. Obviously, the folks who advised him deserve blame. But we're in a situation now where I fear that we're not even stepping up, even given what happened. As Joe Biden crazily mentioned the other day in response to a question from um, George Stephanopoulos, who was a Democratic activist who was hired, employed by ABC News. Uh, when Stephanopoulos said, well, what about those, those videos of the plane, those people dying, trying to get out of Afghanistan? Um, on that C-17 and he said, well, that was four or five days ago. It's four or five days ago. Before I, and let me, before I go any further, I have serious concerns. I've said it once and I will say it again. And it's being evidenced more this week about the cognitive challenges that Joe Biden has. They're quite evident and, and you can draw your own conclusions. I mean, you're, Many of you have had family members who have suffered from cognitive decline, age-related cognitive decline, either dementia or just getting slower as they get older, or Alzheimer's or, or, or uh, issues like that. And I just see evidence of that age-related cognitive decline in Joe Biden, and it's disturbing. I mean, does it mean he's out of it all the time? Of course not. But I think it does seriously impair his ability to uh, do the job that we um, expect him to do as president of the United States. But, uh, you know, getting back to my train of thought before I got off on that was that, okay, there were these terrible mistakes and, and uh, frankly, the maladministration of our national security state that led to here. So I, but, okay, well, you know, that just happened, right? We had, we had this disaster. What are we doing to rectify it? Are people stepping up in a way that can reassure us that our interests will be protected, lives will be protected? And I'm not seeing that. I'm not seeing our Pentagon step up. I'm not seeing Joe Biden step up. 
I mean, Joe Biden is more concerned right now about, um, in many ways, attacking governors over mask mandates or actually attacking governors for protecting children from mask mandates, which in my view are abusive. He's shown more anger at that on that topic than A, what the Taliban did, and B, the Keystone Cop planning that took place for uh, the retreat of America from Afghanistan. Now, of course, I say retreat, but we're not, we're, we haven't retreated yet. We're still at the airport. We've abandoned our air base. You know, some have said that we should take it over again. And so what is the left doing? Again, they're moving on from, everyone practically speaking has been critical of, of, of uh, Joe Biden. And I'm not gonna repeat all the criticism, all the evidence of lies and incompetence that the media has been, you know, can't ignore even. But the left wants to move on. They want to move on. There's a story today that the Biden administration thinks, well, this is this will be passing. They're not worried about it because not because they feel a moral responsibility for what they did to our country and to the neg and, uh, and and the negligent and reckless way in which they put lives at risk. because they think uh, the people will move on. And that's not a bad bet, isn't it? Because they have the media in their back pocket, which of course is now pivoted to attacking those who oppose tens of thousands of refugees coming into the country. Uh, and, and soon we'll be hearing that we can't criticize the Taliban even. Remember that famous, uh, I forget the report, who, who was it? Um, either the ISIS person or some other Islamist terrorist. They re one of the big media referenced them as an austere religious scholar. So the terrorist front group um, known as CARE, Council for Arab Islamic Relations is out there saying, we're not allowed to use jihadists, that use the words jihadists or Islamists. And of course, that's what happened after Benghazi. You may recall Benghazi was attacked, the consulate was attacked, or a special mission compound, which is another scandal. It wasn't even a consulate. Was attacked by terrorists. What was the response of the Obama administration? To go after the person who created the video uh, that was seen as um, negative towards Muhammad. And they worked with um, Islamist radicals to suppress and advocate for censorship of speech that was critical of Islamist radicals. So it's, you can bet the CRT agenda to the degree there's been a delay because of the shock of what happened in Afghanistan will quickly be asserted over uh, the media analysis and discussion and narrative of uh, the Afghanistan debacle. Now, as I said last week, 
you know, I suspect you didn't need to be an intelligence person to see uh, or member of the intelligence community to notice that uh, things were going south in Afghanistan rather quickly. I mean, here last week on Friday, I said, well, they'll probably be taking over by next week. It's not because I know anything I'm brilliant or know anything secret. It was quite obvious what was happening, but it was a surprise to the Biden administration. And to me, it just kind of shows you this is the consequence of the corruption and not holding people accountable because they think they can do no wrong and there's no accountability. It not only bleeds into the corrupt acts that we're concerned about, but it also bleeds into the policy acts that we're concerned about. As I said, this reckless disregard for our national security and the safety of Americans. Jake Sullivan, who we questioned under oath, he's a national security advisor. We questioned him under oath in our Clinton email litigation. He gave, he, he used the Clinton email network when he was working for Hillary Clinton at the State Department. He's the now national security size advisor for Biden. Susan Rice is still over there. You know who Susan Rice is. Victoria Newland, who was doing all sorts of terrible things at the State Department, especially when it came to abusing her position to target President Trump to help Hillary Clinton win in 2016 and then to undermine him after Trump did win. Joe Biden himself involved in the illegal, or in my view, the illegal, what I believe to be the illegal and masking and targeting of Joe Biden and Trump and others. Obama, of course. So this is the same group, and we can go name by name, who was involved in conduct that should have been either prosecuted or resulted in at least significant questioning before a grand jury, they're the ones making these decisions now. And who benefits in Afghanistan? I guess potentially, you know, Russia and China. They don't necessarily, you know, I think the people can overstate the direct benefit to them of the Taliban taking over, but they obviously benefit when the United States loses. <laughs> Appearances count. And someone had asked me, what, well, what do you think about, you know, Biden and what does the Chinese and Russians think of Biden? Well, they already know what to think about Biden because the evidence is he's in their back pocket through his son's illicit business activities that involve key Russian figures, Burisma, and the Chinese government. So they've, they've taken the measure of Joe Biden. So this is just further confirmation, but you know, and, and it highlights the big issue here that our deep state agencies, and by agencies I mean all federal agencies, are run largely. I know there are exceptions, but the exceptions, in my view, prove the rule, run by liars and incompetence. You see that time and time again, and I want you to, uh, you know, that we're supposed to believe them on the Russia lies, on the January six lies. Their bungling of COVID. And now Afghanistan. 
So what is Judicial Watch going to do? We do what we always do. We don't rely on Congress to do an investigation. Congress is, knew what was happening in Afghanistan. They knew what was likely to happen. They weren't serious participants in the debate. I mean, billions and billions and billions of dollars have been wasted. Forget about the kind of the, the, the kind of general idea of waste of spending money in a country that we leave. I mean, I'm talking about the sort of basic waste, fraud, and abuse that accountant, an accountant will say, this is waste, fraud, and abuse. So there was a special inspector general for waste, fraud, and abuse in Afghanistan. He's documented billions and millions of dollars of wasteful money. We've, we've been tracking it on our website at judicialwatch.org for years. So it was a waste even while we were there. And of course, President Trump, he saw the waste and he said, let's get out of here. And now the Biden administration is saying, well, you know, his deal was, you know, we were forced to do well, which is, which is a big lie. Because I personally don't think that President Trump would have just simply given his business acumen, would have left stuff that we spent money on behind like Biden did, our weaponry. So I could go on and on about it, but what Judicial Watch is doing is what we do best. We are filing Freedom of Information Act requests on the issues that the media won't follow up on. I mean, just because you think this is the worst day in American history, you know, technically it was August 15th or the 16th of the fall of the capital of Afghanistan. But that's a December 7th like day. And just because you think it's important and it obviously is important, it doesn't think the media, the media won't follow up on it the way you think. Certainly Congress won't. That's why you need Judicial Watch. Judicial Watch to the rescue again. And we're gonna figure out as best as we're able under the law and under the processes available to us to highlight what went on. So I've already told you the background about Afghanistan being, you know, Bill Clinton was warned about bin Laden in Afghanistan five years before 9-11. So the big question is, are we going to A, have a competently run military and response that protects American lives in the short term, protects our national security in the short, medium and long term, from it, the, the Joe Biden surrender being used as a, as a vehicle to further undermine our own nation by bringing in foreign nationals no one um, voted to bring in, practically speaking. And um, second, thirdly, because there's going to be no accountability. I mean, the president, he's going to be president for the next few years, at least. He's not going to resign. People could call on him to resign, but why would he resign? This town has shown that if you're a left-wing politician, by and large, you won't be held accountable. There won't be any, any impeachment. There won't be anything like that. There should be. For that and other reasons, this is to me just one more reason to, to pursue an impeachment inquiry against President Biden. Our border remains out of control. And Congress is obsessed with spending us into oblivion with the help of many Republicans. So you can't rely on Congress, but you can rely on Judicial Watch. So uh, 
we have to recognize what the immediate problems are, make sure and as best as you're able as a citizen that American lives are protected and get the accountability that is required in these historic circumstances. So we're doing our best in that regard and we're gonna do what we can under the law. You know, and speaking of accountability, uh, we have um, litigation in federal court against the Capitol Hill Police, the Congress of the United States effectively, for videos and emails concerning January 6th. You've heard about those 14,000 hours of video of the January 6th disturbance. Well, we sued for them. We asked for them under the common law right of private access, excuse me, the common law right of public access to government documents. And by say, when I say common law right of public, you know, uh, public access to government documents, I mean this is a right that you have inherently as a citizen of a polity, as a citizen of our great nation. It's a right that predates the Constitution, God-given right, of course. So what has Congress said to us in response? The Capitol Hill police filed a major brief trying to end our case saying in essence, well, not in essence, quite literally, that the Capitol Hill videos are not public records. And they list, um, I lost track of how many reasons they listed as to why they can't get it, why we can't get the records. United States Capitol Police camera security system, including footage recorded by within the Capitol and sought by Judicial Watch, is solely for national security and law enforcement purposes. Access to video footage from the camera's security system is limited to narrow circumstances and strictly controlled by U.S. government, uh, U.S. Capitol Police policy. USCP has not made any public disclosure of video footage from January 6th from its camera security system. Well, that's funny. I thought it was used during the impeachment of Trump, selectively so. They are currently pending criminal investigations and prosecutions of individuals involved in the events of the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. They're currently pending congressional investigations into the events. And they said their interests in the confidentiality of the videos outweigh our interests or any public interest in the release of that material. It's pretty incredible stuff, isn't it? I read the brief. It was manic and panicked in my view. That's not my legal analysis. It's my informal analysis. And what they're saying here is that we want to use these videos for our own purposes, but you can't have them. And what the Congress is saying to us and what they've said collectively through the impeachment abuse of President Trump, through Pelosi's justification for her authoritarian totalitarian types of investigation of January 6th that involves only one party in a two party system. I mean, it shows you you can have a one party state in a two party system. They said that January 6th was the worst day in America history, in American history, worse than 9-11. And yet we can't see documents about how that day transpired. We can't see videos. We just have to trust them. So I don't know what the court's going to do here, 
But to cut to the chase, the U.S. Capitol Police is hiding a reported 14,000 hours of video, January 6th video, from the American people to help Nancy Pelosi's abusive targeting of Trump supporters and other political opponents. Any other police department in America would be investigated and defunded, defunded for such abusive secrecy. So the Capitol Hill police tells us they are a creature of Congress and therefore should be immune from scrutiny here. So this case shows that the Pelosi Congress is involved, is involved in a cover-up. It's in a cover-up mode as it relates to January 6th. And it's only judicial watches in federal court demanding these records under law. Now, defendants in the uh, January 6th prosecutions, which by much evidence is um, abusive as well and politicized, they're seeking these videos too. But Congress says they're not public records. But the videos were introduced to try to impeach and, well, I guess he was already out of office, punish President Trump. And you know why this is so interesting, at least to me? Because there's a story out this week that may, may have come out today from Reuters. The FBI or people close to the FBI are leaking that there's no evidence that there was any coordination or any grand conspiracy for an insurrection that day. But it is as we saw it was. People came up to the Capitol. The police and security were insufficient for the crowd and troublemakers in the crowd saw an opportunity and committed some violence. And others committed damage, uh, 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 pushed into the Capitol in violation of law. And others walked into the, cap into the Capitol. They were, were being told that was in violation of law, but that remains to be seen in some respects. I don't necessarily buy that. But there was no grand conspiracy. They impeached Trump on a lie. They're targeting conservatives based on a lie that we're all involved in a conspiracy to overthrow our constitution and our government. And that was affected through that disturbance on January 6th. And the FBI is admitting, well, there's no there there. Of course, they've already known that. And, it, and forgive me for being cynical. I think they're trying to turn down the heat because they're afraid the heat will come on to them. It wouldn't surprise me even if they turned down the heat a little bit in the Pelosi investigation, well, until necessary, because as we're highlighting here, it's Pelosi who needs to be investigated because the collapse of security, just like the collapse of security in Afghanistan is the result of decision-making by the political leadership on the Hill. There's never an issue of capacity in providing security, not in this great nation of ours, thank God. There's never a capacity issue, literally never a capacity issue. So when Joe Biden says, or his defense secretary says, well, we don't have the capability of moving beyond the airport to rescue Americans, well, that's not true. He doesn't have the will to order the resources necessary to go out to do it. And we could have had security around the Capitol to prevent any violence at all. 
and they don't want us to focus on that. And we're seeing it in our federal lawsuit. This is one of six or seven lawsuits we have about January 6th and the aftermath. And we're focused on the real truth or the real questions that people ought to be focused on, which is how did it happen in terms of the security collapse? Uh, we want the details of those who died, meaning who shot Ashley Babbitt. Tell us more about the cover-ups related to the death of Officer Sicknick. And we want to know the abuses that took place by the FBI, Nancy Pelosi, and others using January 6th as a pretext in terms of taking up bank records, monitoring social media through the post office, undermining our military chain of command with Pelosi and Milley conspiring together in a seditious way. We're suing about that information. So we're on it. We're on it. I tell you what, I, I'm impressed. I know I'm president of Judicial Watch. I should be impressed, but I'm just impressed as a citizen that there's a group doing this. That's as objective as I can be. And I hope you're impressed as well. Well, speaking of impressive, we had a nice victory. Um, it was just this morning. I listened in on a court hearing this morning, a federal court hearing in our lawsuit, our civil rights lawsuit under what is known as the Ku Klux Klan Act against Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot on behalf of our client, a reporter for the, um, excuse me, the, uh, Daily News, excuse me, Daily Caller News Foundation, Thomas Catanacci. Um, who sought an interview with, Nan, uh, with excuse me, Lori Lightfoot, but was denied the interview request or had his request rejected or effectively ignored, we allege because of the color of his skin. He's a white male. And Lori Lightfoot had put in a policy. She said she wasn't going to uh, grant interview requests to whites. Federal official, excuse me, a local official making decisions about who, they're talk to, who they'll talk to based on the color of their skin. Completely racist, completely racist. But that's the CRT way. So we're filing a lawsuit, or we filed this, as I said, this lawsuit under the Ku Klux Klan Act in federal court. And they've given us, the, uh, the mayor's office has given us all sorts of arguments as to why this lawsuit shouldn't go forward. They're trying to shut the case down. We asked for a modest discovery, what is called jurisdictional discovery, because they've submitted a, a, a brief that included a declaration or a, uh, an affidavit by their top communications official. And trying to suggest that it was only for two days and it's not ongoing. Of course, the mayor was just out there the other day saying she'd do it again. So, you know, we demanded or requested, you don't demand from a court, you request from the federal court judge hearing a case that we get some discovery. And guess what? We're going to get some discovery. The court today authorized Judicial Watch to take the testimony of an authorized representative of the Chicago mayor's office, essentially a 30B6 deposition for those of you who are lawyers. I'm not a lawyer, but that's what I've learned. Um, that's one of the things I've learned about is 30B6 depositions, which effectively are 
corporate designated witnesses. So if I sue widget company, you know, widget Inc. And I want the corporation's testimony, they can designate a 30B6 witness to kind of provide that testimony, kind of corporate witness. So now the mayor's office is going to have to come in and be questioned under oath about the nature and scope of their racist interview policy. So this is a big victory because they wanted to shut the case down and they certainly didn't want any discovery. I mean, they've been playing games since we sued because they recognize, in my view, they had a legal problem. And when we filed our motion for discovery after the mayor's office, again, changed its explanation about when and how she would only grant interviews to, quote, journalists of color. Only after Judicial Watch filed its lawsuit and the mayor had to defend her actions in court that the public learned that the racially biased criteria only applied to a press tour that began and ended over two days. So we wanted to question him on this, and now we're going to be able to. So it's great news. I'm going to read a quote from our client who's excited, Thomas Kanachi. I look forward to understanding how the mayor's office implemented such a discriminatory policy. My rights and the First Amendment rights of countless other reporters in America must not be trampled upon. And Daily Caller News Foundation Neil Patel said, America's civil rights heroes must be turning over in their graves because of the overt racism now openly embraced by so many on the far left in America including Chicago's Mayor Lightfoot. We are optimistic the courts will agree that government officials are still not allowed to discriminate in America. It's amazing in this day and age, we have to litigate this question. So you hear the left accuse the United States and smear America as being systematically racist while engaging in racist behavior. That's, that's the kind of the Never, never land we're in right now. So I'm glad we're in court on this. Don't you agree? And I, again, if you like this type of work, you like this type of activism, you like this type of education. Because Judicial Watch is an educational group, first and foremost. We're an educational foundation. So I'm hopefully conveying information you otherwise don't know about the operations of your government, how the law works, in politics. Support it, support the work. Judicialwatch.org, that's how you support the work. I don't ask for support enough here. So one of the troublemakers in uh, the foreign policy sphere is Qatar. Qatar is one of these countries that's it's one of the most significant, most powerful countries in the world because of its strategic location, the fact the United States relies on it for, that's a base of operations, of course, it has this unfathomable wealth. The problem is, it's a regime that is in many ways anti-American, Islamist, and anti-Semitic and anti-Israel. And they spend money like you can't believe here in the United States to enhance its credibility and increase its power. 
And Judicial Watch has um, uh, an ongoing lawsuit on behalf of a client in Texas, which is now before the Texas Supreme Court. And we found we filed a petition for review on behalf of our client, this core legal institute, under the Te Texas Public Information Act. Because what's going on is Qatar has a relationship with Texas A&M University that involves money, obviously, right? We want the details. Our client wants the details. We're seeking records about the potential influence by the Qatar government's funding of certain Texas A&M University programs in its campus and in Education City in Qatar. Education City. It's not just Texas A&M that has uh, a shop in Qatar because of Qatar money. Qatari, I guess. Other universities do as well. But Texas A&M is a publicly funded university, so we have unique access to it under the open records laws of our country, including in Texas. Now, Friends of Zakar Legal Institute is a U.S.-based advocacy group dedicated to combating the spread of anti-Semitism. They made two requests to the Texas Public under the Texas Public Information Act for information about the funding of donations made to the Texas A&M University by the government of Qatar and agencies and subdivisions of the government of Qatar. And as I said, Qatar has controversially aligned itself with Islamic terrorists and extremists, which has placed it at odds with us, most importantly, Israel, our friend, and other US allies in the Middle East. So they're bad actors in many respects. And one of the deals, one of the um, is Qatari funding, because we want to know the details. Our client does this is Car Institute, one wants to know the details, Qatar funding of Texas AM research and how Texas AM, a public university, was able to establish a decree confirming campus Qatar without the Texas legislator's permission, legislature's permission or involvement. They grant degrees there in chemical engineering, electrical and computer engineering, mechanical engineering, and petroleum engineering. And they've um, granted more than, I think, a thousand degrees since 2007. So the legal fight has been awfully complicated. And I'm afraid to describe it to you because I'm afraid I'm going to get it wrong. So you can go to our website and read about it. But essentially speaking, uh, we want the documents. Our client wants the documents and Qatar doesn't want us to get the documents. And the fight is over how that fight is arrayed and where it is procedurally. Uh, so uh, it's important that we get the documents. And uh, there was a case that allowed us at least the process to move forward. I mean, the lawsuit uh, to move forward. Uh, the lower court initially ruled in our favor or our client's favor. Then it went up to an appeals court in the state of Texas. The appeals court kicked it back down again. We filed a petition with the Texas Supreme Court to get the case moving again. And so, as we said in the brief, the Qatari government has been identified as a vocal purveyor of anti-Semitism and a promoter of extremist terrorist groups. The merits of this case ask whether the Qatari, the Qatar Foundation, a private entity, but a front for the government, obviously, will be allowed to use the Texas Public Information Act to preclude public scrutiny of its involvement and influence on a public university. And as I said, the Qatari government has been misusing our nation's courts to hide the details of its controversial funding 
Texas A&M University. And we hope the Texas Supreme Court puts a stop to this. So I, I just want to kind of highlight this for a second. We have this terror-supporting foreign government giving money to Texas A&M University, their partners. And our client and Judicial Watch and the American people, I think you probably agree, you want to see what's going on here. How is this happening? And we're in court trying to do it, and we have this foreign front go into court and battle us. And your Judicial Watch right now, and our client is the Carr Legal Institute, is right now in court against one of the most powerful entities in the world, the Qataran government, in terms of money and influence. So when I hear someone say, well, you know, we're tired of all the talking. What are you going to do about it? I don't know what else we could do about it. We're in court. Some powerful stuff here. And our client, who's president of Zakhar Legal Institute, Mark Greendorfer, said, when Zakhar first submitted the public records request, we were concerned that foreign governments were using United States university campuses as breeding grounds for hate and indoctrination. With the dramatic and rapid explosion of anti-Semitism and anti-American unrest that has spread on campuses since we submitted the request, our concerns are only amplified. We urge the Texas Supreme Court to allow Sakar and the people of the United States, people of the state of Texas to see what Qatar is trying to hide. And the timing is interesting, isn't it? Because you have Qatar in the center of the storm in Afghanistan. There's a reason the Taliban hangs out there. Some more great work by Judicial Watch. So we'll see what the Texas Supreme Court does, but your support for our work, again, would be appreciated. So you have to wonder why, well, I guess you don't have to wonder because you probably know why our whole national security establishment was caught flat-footed and still are trying to get their bearings. I don't even know how it's gonna turn out in Afghanistan. And as many have commented, uh, it's because their focus has been on attacking Americans, rhetorically at least. As I said, January 6th was a pretext to go after troops in the, in the, in the military and other innocent American citizens who hold the wrong views and public policy issues that the left thinks are ought to be outlawed or should be jailed for. And accordingly, our Pentagon is abusing the troops with a countering extremism working group, is, which in my view is designed to harass, intimidate, and worse, troops who hold the wrong views on public policy issues. And we sued under the Freedom of Information Act, the Defense Department about that program. This is what we asked for. All emails between Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin referencing this countering extremism working group. All emails between the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, counter, concerning countering uh, this countering extremism working group. And all emails of the Vice Chairman, General Heinle, Heighton, excuse me. Not a lot of emails. They haven't turned them over to us. May of this year, we asked for them. We just had to sue. And as we highlighted during a Senate confirmation hearing, Austin vowed he would purge the US military of racists and extremists 
where was the evidence that the military is full of racists and extremists? And by extremists, he means Trump supporters. Let's be clear. Does he you know, I mean, you know, he would deny that, but that's what I believe he means. All the evidence suggests that's what he means. The job of the Department of Defense is to keep America safe from our enemies, but we can't do that if some of those enemies live, lie within our own ranks. Again, totalitarian was there under oath, described there. And on February 3rd, he destroyed military morale, undermined the fighting effectiveness of our force, and abused his authority by ordering a 60-day military stand down to address the, quote, challenge of extremism in the ranks. And you saw, you saw the results of that because folks response who had to go through that process, you know, talked about how they were pushing anti-Trump agendas, anti-Trump propaganda, suggesting you can't hold certain views on uh, election integrity or race or other matters of public concern. And they specifically would say, well, Black Lives Matter, that's not extremist. They, you're, you know, we're not allowed to criticize that. And he selected this uh, radical, a real activist, Bishop Garrison. It's not, uh, it's his name. It's not his rank or his, it's not an honorific. As senior advisor on human capital and diversity, equity, and inclusion. Equity is communism, by the way. That's a communist word. It's not literally communist in, a in the usual sense of it, but in the political sense, it's communism. This countering extremism, work, extremism working group is a radicalized, racialized vehicle to attack supporters of President Trump and others who espouse conservative views in the military. The same people that who I guarantee you are largely trying to defend under outrageous circumstances, criminally negligent circumstances, American lies in Afghanistan right now in that crisis. This is Garrison's approach, by the way, to public policy. He tweeted to the vice president, by, uh, then vice president, excuse me, then President Trump in 2019. Silence from our congressional leaders and his complicity. He is only going to get worse from here and his party and its leadership are watching it happen while doing nothing to stop it. Support for him, a racist is support for all his beliefs. So he called all Trump supporters racist and he's now the top dog in the Pentagon on race matters. How do you think that's going to turn out? And as I said in our release, the Afghanistan humiliation is further evidence that the Biden Pentagon's obsession with targeting conservatives in the military undermines our national security. Why is the Pentagon leadership hiding records about its ongoing political purge and attack on the First Amendment rights of our troops? Our military is in crisis. It's not just because of the situation in Afghanistan, but it's because of the situation of the politicized leadership in the Pentagon. So Judicial Watch has a lawsuit over the propaganda being taught in West Point. And the Pentagon's in complete cover-up mode on it. If they were so proud of this, why are they hiding the records? They're abusing our troops. They're abusing our young people. 
our rising leadership in the army by forcing them to go through these propaganda repackaged Marxist training programs. I mean, and this has been going on for years in the military. One of the things you won't hear from the military from, from the media in describing our fight in Afghanistan was the effort within the military that began during the Bush administration to diminish the role of radical Islamic extremism in the national security terrorist threat to the United States. Why? Because of the politics. It was critical race theory in the national stage. They didn't call it then at that, then, then, but practically speaking is what it was. Ideas, in the words of famous conservative thinker, have consequences. And with that, I will turn it over to you for the next week. So be active, support Judicial Watch, share this information. No one else has it. The records that we uncover, the, the analysis that we bring to bear, it's, I would dare say, unique. and demand accountability from your leaders, the members of Congress, local officials, wherever you can. You can see these are both challenges at the state, local, and federal levels. So with that, have a good week, and I'll see you here next time on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's Weekly Update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.